0: I wonder if folks heard the recording. <laughs> we are recording this episode and just for <clears throat> purposes of our podcast. Again, this is Pincho Millennial Podcast. of Participation. I'm Amanda Miguel.
1: And I'm Nico Shaw. We are two Latinx millennials sharing a fresh, relevant perspective on civics and political participation in the U.S.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so thanks for... <laughs> I wonder if folks are able to hear. I have us on silent <laughs> on All my yet? phone, so I can't hear. But if you heard our recording just know that this is available tomorrow starting tomorrow on youtube spotify apple and all streaming devices as well as our website benchmillennial.com so fyi if folks are new to us and just follow us on instagram you can find all of our stuff in those areas
1: <laughs> that's right we have all our episodes posted on spotify youtube and our website millennial.com. Uh, we're pretty much really active uh, on Instagram. So yeah. mention us in your stories, send us a DM, ask us questions when we post on our story. Um, you can follow me at nick.oach um, and at Ancient Millennial yeah. is our Instagram handle. Send us questions, whatever. We're interested in learning what our listeners, what our viewers and our followers want to know about and what content we should cover. So yeah. give us your Peace of mind and let us hear what you have
0: to say. We love talking to y'all. This is our third special Instagram live edition. So, again, thank you all for joining. I see love from Tony that we went to school with, and I'm super excited that he's listening because No, wait, you know, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> I know he has a real inside scoop on what all the topics that we cover. So, I'm super excited that he's joined. I'm our seeing
1: first- Rocio in Chicago. Yes. What up, girl?
0: Hey. We got Florida in the house
1: cool
0: Chicago hey <laughs>
1: um I'm, figure out. I'm struggling I'm like on my looking at my phone right now yeah while trying to record and I'm, str- I'm struggling so bear with me while I try to like figure out
0: and it's delayed y'all so it's super funny to see yourself like two seconds later and you're like god did I pick my nose like sometimes I think I like swipe my nose once so I was like that's embarrassing
1: bo- Catch- yeah. <laughs> that's my thought
0: um yeah. And, you know, so far, you know, we really love these lives because this is kind of like our Wednesday nightcap, our politics nightcap. So thank you for joining. And we, I promise you, you will leave less stress if this is something that brings, you know, anxiety for you. I promise you we're going to end this on a lighter note. Um, And we invite you again just to introduce yourself on the chat. Tell us where you are listening from. Um, It kind of helps us to make some of our comments a little more relevant to where you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we get started? I think uh, we're like six minutes after the hour. Um, I think it's a good time to jump right in and start talking about what this, the content of our post. What are we talking about today, Amanda?
0: Yeah, this week we took a quick poll, you know And Nick's been doing a really awesome job of checking in with you And seeing what's what you need clarification on And basically, y'all want to know what happens during a lame duck session uh, Where you basically get a president and uh, Congress That doesn't have a job come uh, come January So <laughs> hey. Someone's going to lose their job. (laughs) And we are so excited.
1: Uh, uh. Um, Let's talk about lame duck. What does that mean? Lame duck is the phrase, the idiom that -hmm. people use to describe when someone in power is like on their last leg.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They have not been renewed. They have not been rehired they're out the door mm-hmm. but at the moment they're still in charge but they don't have like public opinion or public support like nobody's down for them anymore yeah but because of the way the rules are set up like you got to stay in your job until you know a certain date so that's what's called a lame duck is like you're just you're lame you can't do anything you <clears throat> you can do some things but the public has communicated to you we don't like you yeah fuera like we don't want we're not interested you know um and so for public officials it's like well damn i thought i was doing a good job yeah and i thought i had my job for a couple more weeks and then everybody said nah so now i'm just here like waiting until the next round of people to take my job so lame duck is
0: that's our i'm a slow producer so
1: (laughs) you're not slow listen we're working on this working on it amanda's been learning all these skills to download (laughs) software and hardware and figure out timing and all this technical stuff behind the scenes
0: we'll get better i get better i get better
1: you're not slow is a great great thing to put in our podcast i think this may be the second instance check el chacal has appeared on the yes, podcast so the second time <laughs> maybe we gotta get El Chakal as our next guest <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should dress up um yeah and you know to nick's point of <sighs> lame duck you got folks on the way out so what does that look like for their last few weeks in session so as uh, you know like anywhere up, you know, um, in the any other job sector you know the holidays are upon us so you got Thanksgiving next week, which I want to do an episode on the unlearning of Thanksgiving. But we'll get to that next week, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Also, Christmas, New Year's. And this is the same for Congress. They also take that time off. So literally, I want to say they're in session this week. And Tony, please correct me at any point at this. This is what I remember. Let me see, let me check up. Yeah, um, they should be working this week. Uh, Next week, they should be off. And I think the fall in December, they have about two weeks to kind of act on anything. So this is where you'll I mean, this is where people get so frustrated. Like, what is Congress doing? Right. Like, where is the discussion happening? And we bring a blame duck specifically in this podcast, because what are the implications for one, not only the new president-elect Joe Biden, and vice president-elect Kamala Harris, but also what does this mean for COVID-19? We have a freaking third-wave surge, I think, at this point. I don't even know how many.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't even know if it's a surge, if it never went down. We, like, barely brought it down somewhat when we did the initial rounds, and then it just, we're, like, plateaued, and then we just took off
1: last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, usually during a lane duck, it's called that because, like, there's no skin in the game, nobody's gonna, mm. there's no harm, you just, like, you coast. You just, like, chill and wait for the next person to take over. But in times of very dire need, you can't, as a governing, yeah. as a government, you can't just chill, you can't just, like, yep. throw back your arms and be like, ah, oh, we're good, we'll just No, we have literally a global pandemic that we have not seen in a hundred years ravaging Mm. our entire nation. Literally every state has seen increases in COVID rates and increase in everything related to this pandemic. We've never encountered this before. And if, but the oath of office that our public, our national public Mm. officials take is to defend and protect the constitution Mm. And if you remember the constitution, I remember learning it in fifth grade. It's to preserve and protect and to provide promote the general welfare and provide for the common defense.
2: Mm.
1: Promote the general welfare. That means, that are you doing well? Is our community doing well? Are mm-hmm. our citizens, our constituents, Are our people doing well? Promote the general welfare. Now, if our government is not taking care of us, you and me and the people around us, they're not promoting the general wealth. Mm-hmm. if they don't care about our water is it clean is our air breathable are we safe from a virus that's ravaging everything yeah in my perspective that's not promoting the general welfare um and so in a time of crisis like we find ourselves in now you can't just chill like you got to be working all the time that's mm-hmm. literally your job is to protect the people Right. In this country. And so when it comes to a period of transition, like, all right, if I'm in the current government and I know I'm not being rehired, Mm -hmm. my oath is to still protect the people who are who are my constituents. So that's no reason to stop doing your job. Right. Mm -hmm. In in the true, like, romantic sense, you should be like, listen, y'all don't want me. I still have to help keep you safe. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing my job. And all right, the next team's coming in. All right, I'm going to let's team up with that next team and be like, yo, this is what we messed up on. This is what we learned from. Mm-hmm. Here's the keys. Here's our plan. Here's what you can do to take care of all the people in our country. Yeah. And so in a s- situation that we find ourselves in today, where the outgoing administration is like, nope, we don't accept that we're out of a job. We're good. We're still in charge. Yeah. We have found they are actively blocking that transition, actively preventing that handover of plans Mm -hmm. to the next administration, the next people entrusted with the faith of the people of this country. Mm -hmm. And that's problematic in a number of ways. If you're entrusted with the faith of the public, and you're actively not, and you're actively doing things Mm. that do not help them, that's a problem. Yeah. So someone asked earlier, I posted on my personal um, Instagram, like, what do you all want us to discuss? And someone said, what is the price we pay for a delayed transition or Mm -hmm. denial of election results? Well, that's the price we pay. I mean, part of democracy is no one human no one person or party or group is in charge. It's the will of the people. Right. And part of that is if you lose the election or the race, you say, all right, that's it, people decided. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give the keys to the next person. Amanda, here you go. People decided you, here are the keys.
2: Yeah.
1: But what's happening right now is if I'm, if me and Amanda are the people in this situation, I'm being a sore loser. And saying, no, Amanda, you know, I have the keys. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you want these keys? Right. Nope. I'm still driving. <laughs> I'm. Oh, there's a cliff. Maybe I'll take us over the cliff. Wait yeah. and see.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly is- what it feels like, honestly. And it's really, you know, again, yeah. Um, Rocio, critical to a democracy and the sustainability of the country. Absolutely. And that's where, that's why so many, that's why all of the alarms were being raised since before the official election results because we anticipated this happening. And I think seeing the president elect establish not just only transition teams, but, you know, actively, actively saying, well, we're still going to work. We're still working on our end because we know what we're inheriting. Um, And I think slowly, but surely the, um, the conversation has changed slightly. At least I was seeing like Politico today. Um, I think both McConnell and Lindsey Graham, um, you know, Republican leaders uh, starting to shift kind of the, I don't know, the rhetoric and they're kind of accepting once we do have a transition. So they've already acknowledged kind of like we do anticipate a new administration in January and we will, we're going to do it as to the letter of the law kind of, kind of like um, perspective that institutionalist kind of like we will, you know, support the new transition. I was like, well, you weren't saying that a few days ago.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of shady. But it, it, yeah. I don't know. Shady is too nice. I think it's it's real. It's just actually problematic. Um, I don't know, Amanda. Were you involved in like track and field in high school? Did you mess not around in with that? Did you <laughs> maybe
0: yeah. in, did I do that?
1: In um, it's like yeah. running a marathon or not a marathon. Excuse me, a relay. A relay. Mm. All right. Like we're on the same team, right? There's four of us, yeah. and we just want our team to win. Okay. But if the guy who's like taking the b- baton next from you, like you, you have a problem with him. you gonna be like, oh, I'm going to slow down. I don't care. I'm going to start walking. Dang, that's and when, he try- <laughs> when he tries reaching for the baton, I'm going to be like, oh, you want it? You want, oh, oh you can't have it. You- <laughs> that's not how you win. That's not right. team player. Right? right. But in this place, in this, the team is the country. Yeah. It's not just are you going to win a third place medal in a high school track I meet. Mean. Yeah, um, it's it's very serious. So when someone asks, "What are mm-hmm. the consequences?" Well, it's not just winning a race. Um, the new government needs to know what is already what is our existing government doing to help the coronavirus? Yeah, to help with national security, and how can we jump in like day one? They the new administration yeah. starts. No matter what, the constitution says January twentieth at mm-hmm. noon. Yep. So if an outgoing administration doesn't tell the new guys, hey, this is what's going on, this is what we learned, la la la, this is the state of things, then on January first at noon, the new people are like, Oh crap, we gotta get a handle on everything. We have no clue.
0: Right. Right. And Tony Tony says Shady is too nice we agree but this is a podcast where we're trying to you know not corrupt people and think that this democracy is something they can't change but we will i will say this as we transition to the next question that you know during this lame duck session all eyes are on this like national politics you know for all the folks that are listening in now i'm like you're listening to this because it's it's top of mind for you all you understand the stakes and i think that the second part of that is now we have all eyes on what this leadership is like, what can be done if, you know, if no one is watching, right? And I, I think you can, you know, mention this in during the Obama years where, you know, there was such a, such a change in Congress with the Democratic president, and um, it, it kind of just fell by the wayside because voting wasn't the same way. But this year, this election, right, record numbers of folks voting across the aisle, didn't really matter, but everyone voting you know, just this heightened importance on national politics. Um, And with uh, the next question with folks asking about cabinet speculation, this is an awesome opportunity right now to kind of gauge what kind of leadership will exist in the executive branch um, and what signs that that give us for priorities, for the representation. And I say that loosely or in a way that Genuinely means representation. You know, I think folks kind of shy away from representation doesn't equal liberation, which I completely agree. But there is a difference when you have someone who has a vast different experience than the average, you know, white male DC, you know, person um, does in fact change the conversation and change who comes to the table. Um, so I'm all about that Uh, so we can transition to that but you all watching and you know paying attention to the type of leadership that is being transitioned in now is the kind of accountability that we need every single day and every election all the time so thank you is my basic message here
1: (laughs) yeah I saw a tweet early uh, a couple days ago Um, there were young people I think like for people who are not familiar with me and Amanda, we are, we are millennials. We are not in our early 20s. We're not teenagers. We're older We are older than that. And this tweet was addressing some like 18 and 19 year olds who were protesting outside uh, President-elect Biden's campaign headquarters uh, in Delaware. And they were saying like, we want clean energy, we want environmentally friendly policies, et cetera. And the tweet I saw was retweeting these uh, people and saying, do they know that he's not president until January? And the answer Mm -hmm. is, yeah, they know he's not president now. And so they're trying to show him, hey, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we're still out here. Yep. We're the voters. We count. We matter. Mm -hmm. This is what we want. We voted for you or not, but Mm -hmm. we want these things to happen. Like, you better make it happen, homie. Yeah. And that's just that's that's also part of political participation is the right to assembly, showing up and telling your the people who are elected. This is what we want. This is what's important to us.
0: What's that mean? Uh, There's another meme. Sorry. But it's the one with Big Bird and he's in his I think he's in a car or a chariot. And I think he's holding like an umbrella and he's like, we protest at dawn or whatever, basically just saying uh, how liberals thought you know that they're done and they're like no real actual organizers they're like we're just getting started you know whether or right. not, um and i that's the energy that i want folks to walk away with tonight is like we march at dawn or I, i'll right. look it up
1: the election's <laughs> not over like, right. Right. i'm sorry sorry no no the election has ended mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've chosen the next president however what we have to say to our people in power is not done Like, that's just not a one-time November 3rd kind of thing. That's, like, an ongoing thing, which is what Beanship participation is about. Beanship participation is about. We're, like, tell your people who are in charge. Listen, we stand for this, and we don't agree with that. Um, So Amanda's point is, like, lots of people, the meme was, like, lots of people are cheering, like, sweet, Joe Biden won. We good. We out. I'm going to go back to brunch. But the other half of the meme was, like, no, people were like, we're still going to freaking march, yeah. which is these yeah. young people that I mentioned in front of Joe Biden's headquarters in Delaware. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we still got to hold you accountable. You, We chose you. Yeah. Do what we want. Um, and to bring this back to the question about the cabinet, that is, that is like historically a sign of the president elect showing the people like, hey, yeah. y'all chose me.
2: Mm.
1: And here's who I'm going to put on my team. Sometimes, I mean, I think I think in 2016, some of the campaigns were very aggressive about saying ahead of time, like, "Yo, this is who we want in power," as a way of like exciting voters to choose them, right? Like, if I wasn't excited about Ted Cruz, but Ted Cruz said, "I'm going to put Amanda on my cabinet," that would excite me, and I'd be like, "All right, fine, I'll vote for Ted Cruz because Amanda's going to be <laughs> in his cabinet." Maybe, right? oh, pick me. <laughs> um, but now we're in a different state where the person has won and Joe Biden is saying, here are the people I'm going to put on my cabinet. Here's who I want to put on my cabinet. Here's people I am choosing to lead our country. And as someone who won the popular vote by like over 5 million votes, mm-hmm. he's like in a good place to be like, I can choose what I want, but as we talked about earlier, uh, a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. the president can't just do whatever they want. They need Congress, the House of Representatives yeah. and the Senate. And so as the current state of things is the House of Representatives is controlled by Democrats, will be controlled by Democrats mm-hmm. by a small margin. Right. But the Senate is not decided. Yep. So if Biden wants to accomplish anything, he needs a majority in the Senate and people to... In, the Senate, majority of the Senate to support his policies. So he's kind of in a tough space to say like, I want to choose X person, but if X person is not really popular with the Senate or then he's kind of up a hill, you know, up a Creek without a paddle. Um, So he's in a pretty delicate position. And I think there's a number of lists out there. Like here's a list of progressive candidates Mm -hmm. for the cabinet and they're great lists filled of qualified people um, and also controversial people. But mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. remember
1: that for a president to nominate someone to their Senate, or, excuse me, for a president to nominate someone to their cabinet, mm-hmm. they need the consent of the Senate. So if it turns out that the Senate is 51 or 52 Republicans,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he needs 51 of those senators to vote for his pick. So he can't pick Bernie Sanders cuz Republicans aren't going to vote for that. Mhm. In any cabinet seat. So he's right now like, all right, listen, we don't have control of the Senate. I like I got to chill. I can't just give my dream team out. Yeah. I got to be really conservative and like slow my roll until we know what the Senate voicing like what the Senate numbers are.
0: Here's my question for because um, I think I was reading some articles of like, OK, where do you choose people to serve on your cabinet? Right. So the president, uh, you know, these are the people that will be advising him on various sectors. I guess you can call them um, of important means like the secretary of the interior. So having to do with um, that one, I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, what's interior mean? But public it, lands, and, public yeah. lands. Yep. Pertain to um, the various um, cons, uh, Reservation uh, yeah. uh, Native
1: American Native People's reservations and um, Public lands, public parks yeah, yeah all that stuff
0: sorry thank you Nick I was like uh, I don't know the, the terminology But um, cabinet some, some What some presidents have done in the past Or what it's kind of like usual Is to choose sitting Congress members or sitting Senators and so If that's the case or if that's I don't know. I I feel like some people or some of the language I was seeing, like these are like career politicians, right? People who have served for many, many years and they want, you know, a cabinet appointment. When that happens, what happens to their seats? Does that then translate into special elections? Um, And how is that how is that? notice of, or notable given that what you just mentioned about the senate and not having the majority what does that mean for biden choosing sitting senators sitting democratic senators uh, when they don't have the current majority
1: yeah so in general throughout american politics a cabinet position is like a prime post that's like you're at the peak of your career <laughs> After you have that job, like you can have any job you want, like you're golden. Mm. So there are a lot of like, I don't know that there are many, I'll pause. Mm -hmm. There are many people who aspire for public office who would love to have a cabinet post because that is a high profile opportunity to show the nation what you can do, who you are, what you're about Mm -hmm. and like boost yourself um so naturally many people who are in the senate or the house of representatives or in government positions throughout the Mm -hmm. the state like your state governors or lieutenant governors like that that's very interesting Mm -hmm. to be in a u.s cabinet position for perspective there's 100 senators there's 435 members of the house of representatives um i'm looking up now cabinet secretaries Mm -hmm. they're one, two. Three, there's like sixteen or something. Eight, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, nine, 12, um, there, there's not, there's not a whole
0: ton. Um, right.
1: There's, there's, oh
0: man, 20 some, wow, twenty some change. <laughs> Anybody on Instagram Live who can help us? <laughs> We're just too slow to count. But no, oh my God. there's, there's it, it, a number. The point, yeah.
1: The point is, like, a senator is a very prestigious title. There's a hundred of those. Right, right. They right. are. Fewer cabinet secretaries right, right, by right, far, right. less than like, less than 25. Right. Um, and so if you can say, oh, I was secretary of state, that's a very prestigious right. role to have. And you can do lots of things with that after your secretary of state. So when Amanda says there are many people in the house or the Senate who are wanting to be in those roles, that's great. That's fine. That's usually how it goes. An incoming president says, all right, my homie, Amanda, she's in the Senate. She did great work on foreign relations. I want to put Amanda as secretary of state. Well, if Amanda was in the Senate dealing with foreign relations, probably the Senate will be like, yeah, she's good. We like her. She's qualified. Mm. Thumbs up. Let's put her in. Um, And same with the house of representatives. If there's a member of the house of representatives who was like very successful in pursuing veterans rights issues, for example, mm-hmm. then a president might be like, yeah, I want this person to be my secretary of veterans affairs. If that person has good relationships and a good reputation, the Senate will be like, yeah, 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 totally, we support that person, let's go. And so what that means is if I, if, if someone chooses a sitting senator or a sitting congressman for a cabinet post, mm-hmm. well, they have to abandon their seat. And then that seat goes up for an election or gets appointed, depending. Um, If it's appointed, if if it's elected, that's a little more risky. Um, So, for example, Kamala Harris is a sitting senator at the moment. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: When she takes office as the vice president, she will abandon her seat. The rules are that the governor of her state, California, will appoint someone to replace her in the Senate. All right, fine. So Harris is a Democrat. The governor of California is a Democrat. For Democrats, not a problem. The governor of California is probably going to appoint a Democrat. We're good. That doesn't change numbers. But if um, I think someone like Cedric Richmond, who's a congressman from Louisiana, he is a sitting congressman, U.S. House of Representatives from Louisiana, and he's been officially announced as a member of the president-elect's team,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he has to give up his seat. Yeah. He has to say, I'm out. I can't represent you anymore in Illinois, or Louisiana. Excuse yeah. me, Bye. And then Louisiana, each state has its own process.
2: Got it. Yeah.
1: Um, so it could be that a member of the House of Representatives leaves their seat and then it's up for a free-for-all election. Well, we mentioned earlier that the house of representatives has like a very slim majority. I think it's eight or 10 seats at the moment. Last I checked. Yeah. Um,
0: I think I saw like quotes of like sitting uh, members. I don't know if they were quoted directly, but they were like, yeah, it, it's almost as if being in Congress now is uh, a negative because we don't have the vast majority. Cause then we could potentially lose the majority in the house. Um, right. And for folks, sorry, I know some of this stuff is like brand new, um, and, but it's basic. I don't know. I think someone also mentioned that it's not like the House of Cards, where you had one person just aiming for the presidency, but you have like Game of Thrones style, where everyone wants a shot <laughs> at, I don't know if it means the presidency or just the cabinet, you know, the cabinet. How's it, cabinetry? That's not the right word. <laughs> but um, everyone's just trying to, and I don't want to say, you know, that there aren't folks that do this work to represent people, to, um, ensure resources come back to the communities. I think that those exist too, but because of like any kind of, I don't know, capitalist society and people want vying for more power, I think it's, it's inherent in any of our systems. So it does not mean that, that it doesn't exist in Congress so with this, I don't. I guess I've been never. I never really paid attention to national politics, but this is a lot of like moving parts, right? Um, so many. I mean, for for California, it's much more apparent because you know we ha- we we are having our senator uh, Kamala Harris become our vice president, so we're losing our U.S. senator. But this opens up all of these like new channels. And for California, I'm just going to pitch this. For California, there are more than uh, 40% um, Latinos in our state. And we've never had a Latino U.S. senator. So there is a big push from a lot of Latino caucuses across the state. um, And at the federal level, encouraging our governor, Governor Newsom, to appoint a Latino or Latina to the U.S. Senate. And I'm all about that. Okay, honey.
1: <laughs> I think I think it's kind of a... I'm really pleased at the conversation about who will replace Senator Harris. Yeah. Vice President-elect Harris in the yeah. Senate. Um, the conversation right now is it has to be a woman. I want it to be a woman. It's got to be a black woman. It's got to be a black person. Yeah. It's got to be a Latino. Yeah. I... I'm not more than 30 years old right now. And I don't know a time that the conversation about a Senate seat was, it has to be a woman of color, a woman or a person of color. Like that's exciting to me. And, and, and maybe it's because as Amanda mentioned, California is 40% Latino. I don't know the specific demographics of California, but it is not, a majority white state. This is not representative of the rest of the country. Right.
0: Okay.
1: And I grew up in a state which was also not representative of the country. And in Texas, there are way more Latinos than in many other states.
2: Yeah. So That's it's exciting
1: good. to me to hear that the conversation is: All right, we had the first black woman, we had the first Asian woman mm-hmm. from California. Let's pick someone else who is more representative of our demographic, of our populace, of our people. Um, and I'm gonna get on a little soapbox for just yeah. just 10 to 15 seconds here. It's
0: on my schedule,
1: The question about rep- being representative is like, do they look like us in quotes for those of you listening in podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, is she, is this a person who's my same sex or gender or color of skin? That's, that is at the very base level of misleading yeah. understanding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, that perspective is, is this someone who looks, thinks, feels, acts, and understands the concerns and the needs of the voters and the people who live in their place, who elect them? Um, and so it's not like, we hate white people, screw white people, we don't want white people in power, ekis, right. fuera. It's, listen, our country is no longer majority white. We have a lot of black and brown people.
0: Mm-hmm. We are the global majority, honey. That's the way Amen. That I talk about it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and so why aren't we represented? Who's who's advocating for our voices?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why? So- That's the question. Why aren't we represented? And it's, I, I looked at the, the stats real quick. I know for LA County, I live in LA County. We've been majority uh, people of color since 1980. Uh, California has been majority people of color since the year 2000. And, um, I'm going to just, the state of resistance is by Dr. Manuel Pastor, um, Manuel Pastor for all of my Spanish speakers. And this, like, it basically looks at the trajectory of, of California and how it's being mirrored in national politics because we're becoming a majority, um, uh, people of color in this country. So there'll be lots of tension. There's going to be lots of fights. We had Pete Wilson at one point who is basically can be compared to Trump, uh, and, and his policies, but I can just tell you it looks better. We can look to a better future, and I think these are those first um, uh, inclinations, or we're seeing that those glimmers in this work. And part of that work is staying engaged. Um, and for all of you listeners, I know we have a question here. Uh, do we think that at any point Trump will concede? Loki? is that going to look like? like? Do you think there will be a point in time where you will literally see uh, Trump stand in front of a mic and say the words we lost, I lost, I concede. I haven't thought about that, to be honest, Adam, to your question. I'm like, I think he's just going to disappear. <laughs>
1: I have no idea. Um, I saw, shoot, I'm trying to look for it on Twitter right now. Um, it was like a couple days ago, maybe on Monday. that or maybe Where he like almost that, said? Well, like his phrasing was yeah, like, yeah. What he say? It was like, quote, Biden won the election, but like, if you don't count illegal, count I want or whatever. So Twitter blew up and they were like, oh, he admitted that Biden won. So he oh, did right. not explicitly say, like, yo, I'm out. Biden's in. All right, let's go. Yeah. He did not do that explicitly. But I think what we've come to learn from this president's character is that he's not someone who accepts rejection or loss. Yeah. He classifies the world in terms of like, loser, winner, star, garbage. Yeah. And so if you're not a star in his eyes, what are you, you're garbage. If you're not a winner. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh. So if he did not win the election, but he's not the kind of person in terms of his character, which we've known for the last 40 years to say, listen, I accept, I'm going to take my L let's go. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, after the election was called in favor of Joe Biden, I saw a number of videos that were of other presidential candidates who said, listen, I didn't win. I really wanted to, but the other guy did. And good luck to you. I hope you win. We all got to support the other guy. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: let's go. And so that that was like gave me a nostalgia for some aspect of old politics where people accepted,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: the concept of democracy. Yeah, I that's- did not get the most votes. Yep, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's how the country works. That's how our government works. So I'm gonna move on. Right but I don't think there's anything in the history of the character of our current president that shows. And to this day, I mean, it's been a number of days that the that the race was called in favor of Joe Biden. And he has not said like, Hey, I'm interested in helping the country or helping the people or solving coronavirus. So
2: yeah.
1: I'm just going to hand over the keys and be like, yeah. Hey, here you go. Good luck. Bye yeah. con Dios. No, right. So the, the fact is, like legally, a president does not have to concede. There's no rule anywhere that says a president has to concede.
0: Our president what has to you? be presidential, <laughs> or you know, like this. Oh, I didn't know. Maybe
1: no, yeah. no, the rule book. Well, but but legally, right? The new president takes office on yep. January 20th at noon. So, we'll if have to be in D. Trump, D. Trump can deny all he wants. He lost the election. He can say all his li- the rest of his life, I won, I won, I won. The, Const- the Constitution says the winner takes office January 20th. So if he's not packed on January 20th, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I- are they just going to put his stuff in bags and throw it on the lawn of the White House? Yeah. I don't know, but doesn't matter because Joe Biden will be president at noon on January 20th. Yeah. So Amanda, you asked earlier, like, is he gonna what is he gonna do? Is he gonna just disappear? There's people saying like he's gonna he's not gonna leave the White House, they're gonna have to drag him out, all this drama. I don't Ooh. know.
0: Well, it's you know, we'll get there when we get there. I feel like, right, you know, I think we're we're getting closer. Maybe people's hearts will change with the holidays. Again, I think <laughs> I think Tony would be like, nah, you're a little bit a little optimistic. Um but we'll get there when we get there. And I think the power of the people are, is greater than the people in power. So I'm 100% bought in. I believe that if all of us were just like, Nadag, yeah, we're coming. We're coming for you. Get out of our house. Um, it's just going to be a different story. So we'll get there. Uh, as far as, you know, you know, we talked about the election in Georgia really being of utmost importance. I know we, I, posted on Friday, just thanking Stacey Abrams and all of the work, uh, being done at the local level, you know, folks that want to go and like, Hey, I want to volunteer. It's like pause. We're in a pandemic, take a, bu- take a beat and let the experts who have been doing the work continue to do the work. So I know their, um, website, let me just double check what it is. Um, she, I think it's ga gasenate.com. And this is where your dollars will go to continue supporting those grassroots efforts. So again, it is GA for Georgia, Senate.com. And then it'll take you to Fair Fight where you can donate to those local efforts. I think that's the best thing folks can do if they want to support a you know a state that has done so much work to ensure it's um, being represented at the, at the national level. And to have so much weight on your shoulders, it's super exciting. Um, and also they'll, they'll need the resources. So I just wanted to make a pitch for that but those are two senate seats can make a huge difference for the democratic majority it'll be even split uh but as folks don't know if there's an even split on votes per se like if folks folks do vote along party lines the vice president is then called in to make the the deciding vote which as we know would be vice president um elect kamala harris
1: yeah and as um i think the way the numbers are in the Senate for the last three, two years, there has been a split a number of times. Mm-hmm. And because the vice president is Mike Pence, he has come in and mm-hmm. split, stepped in to split the tie and vote in favor of the Republicans. And so the Republicans have gotten their way by literally one vote.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so why is it important? Why is it Georgia runoff? Senate? I don't live in Georgia. Why do I care? well, if I care about causes that are important to the democratic party or to democratic institutions and ideas and morals and values, it's in my interest yeah. to v- help support in a whatever way I can. Maybe not like, I'm not gonna drive to Georgia, pandemic. Right. Also, I don't have a job where I can just take weeks off and <laughs> go do that thing. Uh, but the point is in the Senate, every state gets the same number of votes too. So if you were a small state like Idaho, you get two votes, same as New York and California, huge states and the way the rules are in the Senate is as Amanda laid out, if if the Senate votes on anything and it's broke 50-50, you can't do anything without the vice president. So if the Senate is Republican controlled and the president, vice president are Democrats, chances are the Senate is not going to vote in favor of the Democrats. And we've seen that a number of times in the last couple of years where we're like, no, but these senators, this Senator, she's a Republican and we like her and she's good. She has blah, blah, blah values. And then they don't show up. So this is why it's very important for the Georgia runoff races to go for Democrats because The current balance of the Senate is 48 Democrats, 50 Republicans.
0: Yeah, I think there's like um, they're going to be it's going to push, you know, a lot of executive action. One, I think just because, you know, Joe Biden is in a position where. I don't know, there's there's much much to address, specifically around COVID-19 and the pandemic, You know, so many um, efforts that could have been made by the by executive level, like manufacturing PPE and um, requiring a mask mask mandate at national level, just earlier on. Um, Sorry, I'm not sorry about that because I personally know people who have lost people to COVID 19 and they're healthcare workers. So people literally who take a oath to protect. Um, people and their and their public health and their health and they're the ones who have been losing out during this period of time. So I have no qualms in saying, yeah, we could have done a better job at the federal level to hit this pandemic out the out the road. But I'm gonna go on a. I was just talking about it with my dad earlier, so it's like fresh on my mind. Um, and we both yeah. got a little little teary eyed because it's just really, really, really sad. Um, but I know there was a question. In the chat box, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Nick, but it said, could Trump use the army as he will still be president on the 19th? So the day before and Biden wouldn't be president unless he is sworn in. If if there's this
1: is like a question, this is a question for, like, high minded uh, constitutional scholars. (laughs) Um, When Obama took his first oath of office, he missed one word. Like on inauguration day, he, I think he missed a word or two. Okay. And out of an abundance of caution, the very next day, he, like, so the Constitution says the Chief Justice of the United States gives the oath to the new president. Mm-hmm. So when Obama, as the new president, missed a word, they were like, crap. Is this bad? Does this mean you're not president? Because you did not give the full words. So the next day, he called in the Supreme Court the uh, Chief Justice to the White House for a private like, do-over, basically, mm-hmm. and recited it correctly. Mm-hmm. But there's nowhere in the Constitution that says, hey, you have to recite this vow mm-hmm. perfectly in order to be president. It just says the president takes office at noon on January 20th.
0: OK, so maybe seven, three, nup. maybe that regardless, you know, we will. And I th- I, and I, believe that, too, because I remember um, that conversation, those brow minded folks <laughs> discussing this like, no, we will have a new president that's in our constitution It's the highest law of the land, like. Y
1: punto. And that's Caso it. Cerrado, yeah, final.
0: Exactly. So we're just going to say that, OK, seven, three. <laughs> i um, didn't see
1: that i, I must uh, meet, i don't know i think my my instagram live is messing up because i can't
0: mine's went out like twice that's questions. why i kept looking down so folks yeah. if you're watching this
1: um that's a good question though because i mean and it's it's people are worried the level of
0: yeah i based on these questions on,
1: like y'all are like,
0: stressed i'm so sorry <laughs>
1: listen it's yeah, stressful it i is. don't blame you for being stressed i'm stressed too like yeah you know my stress level has gone down from like a 99 percent yeah. before the election to yeah. like an 88 which is not good
0: 11 <laughs> percent <laughs> less i wonder what that that means don't worry okay, go, go good
1: but i'm still 88 percent stressed all the time True. about this whole state of our country
0: <laughs> right and and just to, i like to uh you know for the teachers on i know i have uh, i saw a, a vice principal on now and for any other teachers or, or educators right we learn um the locus of control. What is in our power? And then I also think of what is in our collective power. Um, and I, you know, despite money, despite uh, positional power, there is still people power. Um, so you all listening and giving your comments, like if it had to come down to it, what's it going to look like? What are we going to do? And I think at if we keep talking to one another, one, that's important. We're, we're staying in contact. We can strategize and, like, who's doing a caravan or whatever, who knows. But often this is what it looks like. It looks like bringing people together. It could be letter writing, emails, phone calls, um, you know, going to your, um, representatives home. I know it's kind of like intense, but maybe not. That, but I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. Like this is, this is politics. And if things aren't going, we need to apply pressure. And that's always a way. um, yeah, yeah
1: I, I I think um I think something that you just mentioned a quick second ago reminded me like this is how we affect change is what's in your locus of control.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I know a couple hundred people on Instagram. Yeah. And some of those people don't care about politics, mm-hmm. aren't interested, don't know how to get involved in politics. Yeah. Or like maybe are interested. Mm-hmm. And so if I can jump on my Instagram and say, hey, are you interested in blah, 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 then a couple people might be like, oh, yeah, I am. I, how do I do that? What, what is involved? And I think before the election, I talked about this. Um, I was saying, hey, do you want to vote? Do you have questions? How do you register? Yeah. Like, hit me up. Let's go. And I had a couple people reach out and be like, I want to vote, but I don't know how how do I register? What do I got to do? And that was a feature of me being like, I don't know what's going to turn out from me offering, giving an offer to Mm -hmm. to give my knowledge. And if I can help some people, great. And after the election, a couple of people were like, hey, I voted for the first time because you gave me an idea to vote.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's
1: awesome. That's that's so inspiring. That's great. So that's what's in what my locus of control and your yeah. locus of, of control, Amanda, and oh. also you, uh, our listeners and viewers. Our listeners. You can talk to yeah. anyone in your orbit, your sister, your prima, your, your friend, your homegirl at work, who, your good Judy, who you talk to all the time. And just be <laughs> like, hey, did you hear about blah, blah, blah? Is that okay? Like, what do you think about that? Is that right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's how you affect change. If I... Yeah. Change, you know, if I bring up voting to a friend from high school for the first time, that person might vote, and they maybe never would have voted.
0: Yeah. Oh my so gosh. You, yeah. I this
1: is why Amanda and I are doing Pinch Millennial. It's like we, I, I, I won't, I won't project and speak for Amanda, but I come from a community where a lot of people are like, that stuff doesn't matter. No matter who's president, my life doesn't change. Doesn't affect me. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good or I'm screwed. No matter what. So who cares? But. My purpose in joining and Millennial is to be like, no, these things do affect you and me. They affect our borderlines and how much tax we pay, yeah. et cetera. Let's talk about it. If we don't talk about it, how will people learn?
0: Right. Yeah. If we don't talk about it, how will people learn? How will people stay engaged? So me and Nick, right, we are just your regular people. We're doing this at our own time. We both have full time jobs. Um, and we try to do as much research as we can we don't want to be just like little talking boxes but given, you just, we want to create a space that you can ask your questions that you can see people who look like you who have come from similar experiences I know we have future podcast episodes that we want to do on like our origin stories I know you got some uh, contacts with Nick on our Instagram yeah. stories that you can still see but I was like do y'all know who I am for the OG listeners or for the OG followers of Pinch and Millennial um, this uh, Pinch and Millennial started in january of this year kind of like this last ditch of like you know what we're going all in what do people need to know in order to be active for the general election and this is where we found where we created this podcast pinch participation which basically is a um a play off of join the pinch party and participate in our democracy like it's you and i and that's what matters so i know it's getting about that time 655 if there are any last minute things uh uh, Last-minute comments or questions? Please feel free to add them in. Otherwise, Nick, any last thoughts?
1: I'm just gonna do a, like a quick run through of the last couple uh, yeah. comments I saw. Um, someone yeah. said, "Hopping on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it's stressful to see all kinds of people." Which maybe is a conversation mm, for our, another future episode. Yeah, where, definitely. Like, this is this, this. The internet is meant to connect people and get you to learn about other people across the world and whatever. And sometimes the stuff that other people across the world have to say is out there and it's not sensible and it's crazy and it drives you nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, So to that person's point, uh, I think that's my friend, Sam, who I met when I was 13 years old. I like Mm -hmm. log off. I deleted my Facebook. Like I don't mess with Facebook anymore, even though I'm on Instagram, separate story.
0: We'll talk about Facebook that later. It's <laughs> a crazy
1: place. And I'm like, nah, I'm not down. And I deleted Twitter from my phone for like two years and I didn't log on for a long time because you just come across so much crazy stuff that you're like,
0: How a conspiracy are you theory level. We won't use the word, want to highlight, you know, crazy in the way it's been used in uh, modern times. But yeah, just outlandish, mm-hmm. unbased, not true. Sorry. So not yeah, not like, yeah,
1: like, log off social media, honestly. And yeah. this is, unfortunately, our medium is through social media, but our point is to engage with people we know in a real terms that you can say, oh, I trust Amanda. What does she have to say? Or, well, you know, if you don't agree with Amanda's points, you can think about it, talk about it, talk with us and figure it out um, with people you trust. Uh, so that's a problem. Um, someone else just mentioned, I think this is a listener in El Paso, Texas, Adam, is there a specific policy that you hope President-elect Biden may push for or implement? I, I think that is, me. that that's a loaded question. There's so many possibilities and answers. Um, I'll give a short quick yep. answer. In my view, I would like President-elect Biden to enact policies that are inclusive, just, and equitable mm. for people of all ages, colors economic backgrounds and social backgrounds. So if you're a native person, if you are making minimum wage, if you're unemployed, if you're experiencing homelessness, if you're not um, able, if, if you are experiencing mental illness, I would like the policies that help all those people yep. in an equitable, just way. That's my short answer.
0: My my quick one is uh, I want kids to not be in cages and I want swift executive action day one. And I think that's going to be, has been my, I don't talk about it a lot because it's really painful, but that's my number one. And I think um, comprehensive immigration reform will be necessary to restart or continue the economy that we have and want to have. Uh, immigrants are a huge part of that story. Um, and necessary to a full economic recovery. So that'll be my quick answer. Um, I know time is about up. Thank you so much, Adam, for the question. Appreciate all the love. I see my, some friends from high school, too, that I miss. And it's wild that we can connect here. So it's so good to see you all. Um Aww. But with that, thank you all for joining us and listening to our third special Instagram Live for the Pincha Participation podcast. Um, and quick news, I asked if y'all wanted us to make a TikTok, and it was like an overwhelming yes. <laughs> But I messed up and I made us a Twitter instead.
2: <laughs> I've I know.
0: I'm so dumb. No, I did it just because I wanted to follow news and, you know, comment there. But we will consider doing the TikTok. But we do exist on Instagram. We're on YouTube. You can find us on our website, peachamillennial.com. Here are our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and other and other streaming devices everywhere. And last but not least, uh, we just started a Twitter. It's called Pincha Party Pod. Check us out. We have one tweet. No worries. Um, but you uh, your sign off, Nick, and we'll call it a night.
1: All right. I'm worried about this TikTok because I enjoy watching TikToks in bed before I go to sleep. But I don't know how to do them. So I need some Gen Z in my life to help me out. Uh, I don't. That's it. That's all I got to say. Help me out, Gen Z.
0: <laughs> right. Help uh, us out. Um, thanks for
1: listening, y'all. We'll watch you later.
0: Catch you later. Catch y'all later. Thank y'all again for joining. Sending lots of love.
1: Y mucho, mucho, mucho amor.
0: Mucho, mucho amor.